Hello, friends. I hope this finds you well. I'm Edith Bowman, and you're listening to Play Next, the podcast created in partnership with BMW that's all about discovering new music and celebrating those familiar acts that continue to push the sonic and creative envelope. We've already heard from some of the most pioneering names in the business about how they keep ahead of the curve, from Hans Zimmer and Skin to Disclosure and K Tempest, and dropped plenty of Kraken tunes from breakout artists into the mix too. Coming up in our latest outing, I'll be joined by British Peruvian musician Atahualpa and Mercury, Grammy and Brit Award nominated songstress Nail. Before that, I think we should check out three tracks in full as picked by me, which are hot off the press. First up, we have an absolute belter from a band called TV Priest. Now, there are four piece from London. They are Charlie, Alex, Nick and Ed. And they signed to Sub Pop, having played a solitary gig in what I think might be the most unusual gig location ever, an industrial freezer. They've recently released their sophomore album. It's called My Other People and it features this. The effortlessly propulsive It Was Beautiful.
It was beautiful. I love the driving bass on that. It had me instantly transfixed. And he's got this, I don't know, this brilliant delivery in his vocals. It's kind of got Walkman vibes for me. Great emotion and energy. Love it. Some Antipodean alt-country vibes for you now from Julia Jacqueline, a Sydney cider, that's my new favourite word, who currently resides in Melbourne. Julia's third album, Pre-Pleasure, is out on the 26th of August and it features this, for me, a standout track on the album, I Was Neon.
Jacqueline, yes, please. I love your voice. It's got this beautiful kind of calming quality to it. Love it. Now, to complete our opening salvo of new music, we've got quirky art pop from the wonderfully named Rubble Bucket. Out of Brooklyn, NYC, Rubble Bucket are Alex and Calmia, who suffice to say, are pretty darn brassy. This is Morning in the Sun from the album Sun Machine.
That is Morning in the Sun from a Rubble Bucket. Now, every time I listen to that, I've got to say, it puts me in a better mood. I think it's a combination of the harmonies and the various brass in there. Rubble Bucket, a band that I definitely want to see at a festival. Imagine how good they'd be live. Now, I hope you enjoyed that trio of tunes as much as I did. You heard Morning in the Sun by Rubble Bucket. Before that, I Was Neon by Julia Jacqueline and It Was Beautiful by TV Priest. Time now to bring you our first guest on this episode of Play Next. Lewis Felber is a British Peruvian musician who now performs under the moniker of Atahualpa, which is his middle name, and also that of a 16th century Incan ruler. Now, as much as I love having my mum's name as my middle name, hi Eleanor, not quite as sexy or interesting as Atahualpa, is it? Atahualpa's dropped new single, Ignore the Pollution, today, and we'll be hearing that shortly. He's also forming quite the creative partnership with his wife, the fantastic Lena Dunham, as he's composed wonderful music for her forthcoming films, Sharp Stick and Catherine Called Birdie. Plenty then for us to get stuck into. Lewis, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Um, Tell me a little bit about um, the name Atahualpa. Atahualpa or Atahualpa. That's or the best bit. Atahualpa. 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 That's how they'd say it in, in Peru or South America. It sounds great just hearing people say it, to be honest, because it, it's my name. My mother gave me that name. My, my name is Luis Delfin Atahualpa Saul Felber. But as a kid growing up in London, I would call myself Luis Felber. Kids can be mean. Yeah. Oh, I'm called Edith. <laughs> what do you think I went through? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it took me a while to sort of get to the place where I was like, oh, I'm making music. I should call myself my name, you know, which yeah. sounds crazy. But that's how these things go. You get given these things, but you don't really see them until it's the time to. Do you mind talking a little bit about arriving at the music that you wanted to make with, with Atahualpa and, and what? that kind of process involved in deciding how you would, you know, what it would sound like, what kind of music you wanted to make. How long do we have? Because <laughs> it's a long journey. The simplest way of putting it is I always wanted to make music that I wanted to listen to. Mm. I'll just throw some names like Prince, Nirvana, Tom Waits, Neil Young. I always wanted to make music like that. But when I moved to London when I was 18, I had a band called The Eraserheads and we were in that sort of indie world where Young Turks is doing club nights with like the horrors and um Ludes and Mystery Jets and like Adele and like Florence and Jamie T were involved as well. It was I was kind of trying to do this thing, but it wasn't working. And then, you know, I spent about ten years playing in other bands, figuring out what I didn't want to do. Yeah. And then in two thousand eighteen, um one of my best and dearest friends could see that I was in a bad place mentally. And was, you know, I'd been doing therapy and all these things. To, and my therapist would always be like, you just got to stop drinking. And I'd be like, yeah, but surely you can just fix me without that. <laughs> yeah. It didn't work like that. And basically, long story short, my friend introduced me to her boyfriend at the time who was practicing five element acupuncture. And I went to one session. It's very much like going to a therapist. You talk about what you would improve. You talk about what your barriers are. Yeah. And you talk about your experiences, you know, what got you there. I sit with this feeling of like, okay, I've got to stop doing all this stuff for three months and just sit with this reality. And that turned into a year and a half, I think, or just under a year and a half. And in that time, it just all sort of came together, but it was in the moment of music's going to help me figure this thing out. It always has been, and it always was there. And like my brother really helped me because I have a thing of like not being able to put stuff out. I always sit on it. 
it's never nothing's ever finished you know mm-hmm. but i just started putting stuff out and then just started like that and then i was like i didn't stop basically had an album and i put it out as two eps and i think to answer your question i hear sounds and i'm attracted to them and same with melodies my lyrics is just getting more and more honest the more i get to know myself mm-hmm. and i think the melodies just get funner like if I write a melody and I play it on guitar and it doesn't sound cool, like it doesn't sound like a Joey Santiago riff, then I'm like, that's not the one, <laughs> you know? Because like, you have to write like 100 songs to come up with 10 songs for an album. collaborators because you can't do these things alone like people that say that you know I just don't believe it you can't therapize yourself and like Matt Alchin who I've got to mention you know he's a huge part of this and a huge part of my life like I moved to London and you know our paths have been like in parallel and tandem but then when we got together and did the first song of spells borrow time I just found my guy you know like Mm. he's always got a positive outlook on things and he'll have patience and I can be really honest in front of him. That's the thing. Like when I was a kid and making music, you don't want to talk about your feelings because you feel like someone will be like, oh, really? Like <laughs> yeah. it's like quite intense. But like Matt is that a little bit older than me. He's like four or five years older than me. And like we've known each other for so long. Mm-hmm. They're just like the stars sort of coming together at the right time. Collaboration is the key to great art. You got me living, living on borrowed time. collaboration you're talking about as well and, and talking about Matt but then Dylan is another person that you Dylan Boos yeah you guys kind of met by yeah. chance and from that a beautiful friendship creative friendship has relationship has spurred from that as yeah well. I mean we met one um my, my wife's friends with his um girlfriend we literally hung out for one night and we we're listening to some cool music and we we're just talking all night and he was like oh I really want to do something and I was like well you know, we'll figure it out <laughs> if it happens. And then the next morning I woke up and remembered that I recorded Ignore the Pollution. I was like, you got to do a video for this song. <laughs> How long do you have? What should we do? And he was literally just, I'll say one story of the video, which is really funny. Um, He was like, oh, it'd be really cool to cut a foam cutout of you out. It's like a foam doppelganger. Hmm. And I was like, great. And we found a foam shop in LA. You can find everything in LA. That's what I love about it. It's like, the, the lack of culture makes up for like you can do anything you want it's a blank <laughs> canvas for whatever ideas you have and then we went to the shop and they i got into my pants in the middle of the shop and dylan drew around me on this big piece of foam and then the guys were just like looking at me and i was like is this the weirdest thing that someone's come into your shop and asked for and it was like actually no uh kanye west comes in here all the time and 
And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, he just like takes his shoes off and likes walking on foam. He, the man loves foam. What can I say? And I was just like, wow. And then he went on. He was like, yeah. And I've been round to his house and I fitted in a whole room of foam. I was like, for a studio? And he was like, no, the man just loves foam. He's what can I say? Room. He just loves foam. I mean, it feels really nice. <laughs> yeah. I had to do it after that. I was like, walking. I was like, okay, I get it. We're going to um, play Ignore the Pollution in a second because you've, you've, you've composed for, for film now. I can't wait to see Sharp Stick. It just looks you phenomenal. You in for a treat. I can't wait. It's um, life-changing. Yeah, I bet. It's a feast. And it's so educational and nourishing and yeah it pushes you in uncomfortable places but it's also really funny when yeah. it does that well i think that that's something that she's done in terms of i really see her as a maverick for the voice of so many women in terms of her writing you know you look back to girls and it changed tv it changed what could be said on tv and how things could be said yeah and that was so necessary where did you start when you were thinking about scoring it you know and the conversations that you had with each other about what the sound what the music needed to be for it well it was a conversation i had with the editor he was just like the music should be the sound inside her head and then i took that to matt we started building it around a piano like the top line is a sound in her head and it's a piano and then every now and again i'd throw in a reverse note so you'd have like a c a ding and underneath it, you have a... <laughs> which shows, like, confusion, thought process, mysticalness. And then we sort of built it up. So, oh, okay, well, there's, there's going to be a bass under that. And then, oh, there's drums. So, I, like, I got to demo the drums, which was so much fun. So I always <laughs> wanted to be a drummer. God, I had to play guitar. I'm not complaining, but I love the drums. It's so such a great feeling. And then, you know, there were guitars. And then the strings which are kind of like flirtiness, funness, like cuteness. She really reminded me of like a cat. There's a, there's a line in the film where she says when she was a kid, she would scare off her mother's boyfriend by pretending to be a cat. <laughs> so there's lots of trilly strings. It must be amazing to, to have a slightly out-of-body experience with your music in that way, in terms of whilst you're writing normally, I imagine you're so in it and immersed in it, but this kind of gives you the opportunity to kind of... It's sit back it's and a lot. watch and listen and, and, and feel it. I mean, I feel like I'm still processing it. Yeah. It's one of those things that like we went through it, we put it there and now it's there and it's like uh, my brain kind of goes to what's next. What is next? Well, there's another movie coming out. <laughs> Catherine Colbardi? Yeah. yeah. Totally different sound. It was so much fun. <laughs> and again, got to work with, you know, my band and it's just great to be able to write stuff for these players that I'm just obsessed with yeah and the dear friends to me you know it's like really moving that's the film side of things we've we've had a few sort of teasing moments from you about an album mm. I just can't keep my mouth shut <laughs> and I'm not I have a label or like a manager but behind me being though, because shush. you self you self-release that's what's so it's inspiring because it's tiring <laughs> It's all the ings it's all, all the, the ings. ings no it's it's but it's it's inspiring yeah um, I, I hope so I mean why not the internet exists. Can you tell us about Ignore the Pollution? Tell me about the... Do you want to talk about the album? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you can't tell me about I'm the album. I'm supposed to announce I the feel, album I'm... on a third single. Okay. Which is after Ignore the Pollution. So I think we should give Ignore the Pollution the space it deserves. And let's talk about that then. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, as much as it's I want your to talk album, album and it's here. <laughs> well, I'll just say one thing. The album's called Presence because I like words that mean more than one thing. Yeah. But it's spelled, you know, the C's. Mm -hmm. So it's like I feel present right now yeah. talking to you. But yeah, I'm really excited about that. And Ignore the Pollution is 
one of the songs which when we recorded it, I was just like, yeah, I should probably make an album. Because I'd just been doing single by single, like yeah. with the feeling in my head, the fear feeling in my head of like, no one cares. Like only two people are listening to my music, like me and my my dad doesn't even know how to use Spotify, but like me and my <laughs> wife. <laughs> but my wife listens to my Spotify. So me and someone else, you know. It's like, you know, you always have oh, yeah, totally. fear in your head. Mm. Um, it's just about shaking hands with it. is one of those songs where it was just like I wrote it on my own in staying with my mum and dad like near Portsmouth during lockdown I was watching this thing that I was obsessed with the GQ actors on their films you know mm-hmm. have you seen that like the Nick Cage one's amazing I was watching the Ben Affleck one for some reason <laughs> I'd watch all the other ones yeah. and um, I had my guitar in front of me and I was just playing this this is what happens a lot and I've heard Elliot Smith talk about this saying that he wrote most of EXO just watching TV. Yeah. Because, like, your brain is focused on something else, so your hands do their own thing. I was watching that, and then this sort of thing that I thought was a song of Harvest, which is, like, my least known Neil Young album, but I know it's, like, the most known. But And I was just like, oh, God, I need to remember this. Didn't have my phone on me, but I had my setup, like, my mic and my interface, my laptop, so I just recorded it, and the whole song melody just came out. Wow. And it was wild. And I was so into it. I was like, this is it. Recorded. There was like mad noises outside. So I took my microphone outside and I was just like, just like a glory run, you know. I don't even really record more. I just recorded like some birds. And then I played it to Matt and he was like, oh, it's awesome. But of course he had some ideas. (laughs) So like we changed it, re-demoed it. And and yeah, we went for it. And like Matt just came up with the most insane bass line, which is like a very like radio heady, but like when he just goes off and does a solo, but he did that throughout the whole song. And it just worked beautifully because you knew my melody very well. It just like complimented it. Well, the great thing is you're going to be playing the All Points East at our stage, yeah. which I can't wait. Thank you so much for that. having us. Can't wait. We had such a great time last year taking this podcast out to All Points East. It was That was the first festival I'd been to since the world went upside down. Was it? I think so. It was the first time remembering being around so many people. Yeah, it was such a beautiful experience yeah i had a wonderful time introducing some of the bands on our on our little stage and and we got such a great response it was so great i love going out there and kind of people who might not know that our stage is there and having a bit of a chat and almost kind of welcoming <laughs> yeah. them in like come on come into the body of the cart kind of thing yeah yeah yeah. and it was phenomenal we were so blown away by people's response to to the lineup and then getting the chance to bob around yeah i mean we had such a great time playing on that stage I mean, I went to the first All Points East with Nick Cave and I just was jealous of everyone playing. I just wanted to play. <laughs> and, that, and we did. And it was, yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much for your presence today. Oh, very good. Thank you <laughs> for your presence always and everything you do. It's um, so, so cool. And so excited, you know, in terms of kind of watching where where you go. Yeah, I'm just happy to be here. And 
hopefully now three people will be listening to my music. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot more. Thank you so much for your Thank time. You, Thank you, Thank you. forward to watching Lewis and Atahualpa play live on our BMW stage at All Points East. So brilliant to chat to Lewis, so fascinating just hearing and talking about his career. 
Still to come, a seriously elegant slice of electronica from Olin, but first, a woman who coined the phrase wonky funk. I love that. To describe her offbeat original, an utterly captivating melange of R&B, soul and pop, which has earned her multiple award nominations, widespread critical acclaim and a huge fan base. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you Nail. Hey Neil, how are you? I'm, I'm really, really good. I'm currently in LA with my daughter. We've got a flow. Good. That's important, <laughs> isn't it? Exactly. I'm going to start straight away, if that's all right, with um, wonky funk. You know that kind of that saying of going, you had me at, you had me at wonky funk. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Edith. I appreciate that so much. We often put music and musical genres into a bracket. And, you know, I naturally fell into R&B, but I knew it wasn't R&B. It was like an amalgamation of everything that I had grown up on and had inspired me and influenced me. It was electronic music of that time, listening to like Little Dragon or James Blake or Hudson Mohawk. And then it was also kind of like the Motown stuff that I had grown up on, whether it's Shaka Khan and Stevie Wonder. Mm. And then it was also the Neo Soul. It was um, D'Angelo and Jill Scott. And then there was obviously 90s R&B thrown in there as well. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of like chuck everything at the painting and see what happens. (laughs) Um, And I think just, you know, I was doing something so different, but people just kept saying R&B. And I was like, it's not R&B. No. It had funk elements. It was funky, but it was like a little bit off. It was a bit alternative. So I just Mm. came up with the name is a bit wonky as opposed to alternative. Wonky funk, that's how we got there. I think it's really healthy because when something doesn't have straight edges to it, it's a good thing, you know, where it kind of blends and molds and fractures into other things. Because I know jazz was a big part of your background as well, jazz vocal. And and you kind of hear that experimentation, I think, in the way that you, the way that we enjoy your music. Yeah, definitely. I studied jazz for four years. Like I love scatting and I remember I wrote a song called Inhale, Exhale, which is like the chorus is just a scat. It's Oh no, no, no. Like, I don't know. That was just kind of like, (laughs) it's a bit early for my voice to sound good. But Well, if that's what it sounds like when it's too early, just like that on like a, a microphone like that, then I mean, yeah, beautiful. Thank you. But I just want, I thought that was quite interesting to do that just because that song in particular, Inhale, Exhale, is like a real heavy backbeat. It's just, but, but, cat, but, cat, but, but, cat. I mean, it's not jazz at all, but just to throw in this element of scatting was an interesting juxtaposition between hmm. the, the two genres. I don't know. I just think there's a lovely journey for your music as well. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you would describe the kind of evolution of your music, you know, working through all those different releases and collaborating as well and what that kind of how that helps you on the journey to you deciding on what the music is that you want to make and release I feel like we all grow don't we we grow and I don't know I feel like every five years you kind of shed skin in some way um so I feel like I kind of put out an album by the time you know one's finished and you've toured it it's kind of about three three to five years before the next one comes out So I generally try and pick up on a theme of like what I'm going through or what's influencing me at that time. My first record for all we know was it was, yeah, it was about the amalgamation of all the sounds that I had 
been influenced by and, and putting it into that moment. And my second album, Saturn, was definitely about where I was in my life. I was 27 mm. and going through a massive change, which was really uncomfortable. Lots of things were changing in my life, in my personal life, and it was a really difficult time. And uh, I based it on this idea called your Saturn returns that every 30 years, you know, we tend mm. to go through big changes in our life, usually difficult, but on the other side of it, it ends up being really beautiful in it. And it's like shedding skin. So that's what the, the second album was about. And then um, my third album, And Then Life Was Beautiful. I guess the theme was that was kind of like coming out of the pandemic. And also I had my daughter during that time. Again, it was a really difficult time. And, and I know we're still in the pandemic now, but, and I'm still in motherhood now. Mm. But coming out of that really tricky period, I realized that like all of life is beautiful, even the really ugly, hard and heartbreaking moments. If I step back and look at it as a whole picture or a yeah. whole painting, it's quite stunning in a way. And I just knew that coming out of this pandemic, like, things will shift and things will change and motherhood won't be so difficult all the time. <laughs> so I kind of like called it and then life was beautiful, almost as like a homage to hope. That's so amazing because I think you're so right. It's kind of whilst you're in it, you know, whatever it is you're going through, it can be stressful, it can be terrifying, whatever, but it's kind of finding a positive in everything you've been through or, or taking something from that everything you've been through, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing and finding a kind of positive spin on it of, of you growing as a person. And I love the kind of narrative of this new record because it does feel like storytelling. You, you, you take us on a real journey. I really take pride in telling a story through the songs and making sure that you go on a real journey throughout. We go up, we go down, we stay neutral. <laughs> and that's something I've always done with all of my records. And to be honest, that's, um, that comes from, you know, a lot of us grew up in a time where where albums were really important. You knew every song and, and every lyric and you really took it in like a book and mm. the artwork and the sleeve work and all the notes on it. So when I do put together an album, I really want to bring it back to that. Can you remember the records for you that were like that where you knew it so intimately? Like you even, you knew the spaces between records, like you knew how long there was between tracks that you kind of came in immediately on that next track. Were there specific albums for you that meant that were really important to you there are loads of albums I think about D'Angelo's records I think about Brown Sugar I think about Erica Badu and Baduism yeah music Soul Child I'll just want to listen uh, Stevie Wonder songs in the key of life I mean all of those records I know you know back to front and oh Destiny's Child as well that was a that was a big one for me the writings on the wall <laughs> all groundbreaking as well those ones you mentioned I love the kind of the the journey of collaborations that you've have, had as well properly stopped me in my tracks hearing you and Leanne LaHavis on women on on that record and it's just the power in that that song is incredible it really sort of I don't think I took a breath for the entire time I heard it for the first time well I mean that particular collaboration was really organic I've been a massive fan of Leanne's for years and in fact before I was an artist I was what you would call like a session singer. I remember one time I was driving to a jazz gig to perform in a pub in Oxford and there were like uh, 14 people there maybe barely listening. And I remember driving home and I put on Radio 1 and Leanne's song came on, There's No Room for Doubt. 
And it was kind of like the first time that I had heard such musicality and such a organic voice and music on a station like Radio One, which at that time, mm-hmm. you know, was mostly known for pop music. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, voices like this can exist in a space like that. And so I followed her from day one. And then when I became an artist, you know, we kept crossing paths because we're both Londoners. We kept crossing paths at festivals and things like that and became friends. And then we ended up collaborating together. So that was quite organic. And I I tend to like to do collaborations that way where you meet the person, you know, that you're mutual fans together and then you can work. It makes the process a lot easier. Am I right in thinking as well that you had your daughter strapped to your chest when you sung that? Yeah, that's she the was... most beautiful thing. I didn't know that before. I, you know, I'd listened to the music before I knew that story. I don't know whether it's because I'm a mum as well, sort of thing. But when I said that, I kind of didn't felt like I didn't breathe for the whole time I listened to the song, sort of thing, because it did really stop me in a trice. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, but there's an oh. energy in that piece of music that's just indescribable. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, she was strapped to my chest during that recording. She was really tiny, maybe three weeks old, and. She wanted to be cuddled. I tried to put her down, but she had other <laughs> she ideas. She wasn't having it. <laughs> she wasn't having it. With. So yeah, obviously the only way I could keep her quiet was to, you know, sling her to my chest so that I could record. So uh, I don't know if that had an effect on how I sounded on that record, but mm. it's nice to know that she was there through the journey. Yeah. She was also in the video for Antidote, which came out maybe three months later. Mm-hmm. She's like a little silhouette in, in the back. So she was a, very much a part of that record. It's been such a treat getting to chat to you and I'm so glad to hear that you're doing great. Uh, Before we let you go though, what advice would you give young artists trying to break through from from your experience and from, you know, from learning and releasing these three wonderful projects so far? My advice would be two things. Keep going, Mm. keep putting music out. When you put out a release and it doesn't go well, it doesn't go the way that you expected, move on. Yeah. Create something new and start again. And you always feel so much better in the moving on moment rather than staying in like, oh gosh, nobody likes me. Nobody likes the music. Just be like, okay, that didn't connect for now. You don't know. Yeah. It could just resurface again in two years on TikTok. I have no idea yeah. what music what happens yeah. nowadays. But that definitely helped me, you know, just to keep yeah. going and keep putting out music. And if possible, for me, it really good ingredient was to find a good manager someone that uh really believes in you wants to work hard for you and can help you connect the dots to get you to where you want to be sound advice congratulations on your your wonderful next chapter and your your life as well with your daughter and and uh yeah having fun in the sun out there as well it's such a treat to chat to you thank you so much for your time thank you so much a really lovely chat take care bye Bye. thank you so much pleasure Neil Jessica Joshua, full name. What a wonderful, inspiring woman. I kind of feel like I've had a therapy session after chatting to her. Just her wonderful positivity. And aside from that as well, her extraordinary music. So make sure you go and check out one of those albums. The most recent of those, of course, is The Fantastic. And then Life is Beautiful. So that's nearly it for the second episode of Play Next Season 2 brought to you in partnership with BMW. Before we let you go, I wanted to leave you with a track by a very talented young woman called Olan. Her debut album Contra is out now on Anjuna Deep and this is the shimmering title track. I think you're going to love this. 
No, you're dancing. No, you're dancing. How good is that? Gorgeous production and beats on that. Olan and the title track from her debut album, Contra. Thank you so much to Atawalpa and Neil. Absolutely loved chatting to them about their career and their creativity. And thanks as ever to you for taking the time to listen. Do join us next time for more new bands, music and conversation. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please rate, review and subscribe to Play Next so as not to miss an episode. And be sure to spread the word too. It really is very much appreciated. And if you're new to us, don't forget to check out all our previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts to hear the likes of Giles Peterson, Soak and Jonathan Higgs from Everything Everything. I'm Edith Bowman and this has been Play Next in partnership with BMW. BMW.